All right, what up, what up, what's good, everybody? This is your boy Mel, a.k.a. Naldo Formula One, and you are now tuned in to episode what, five of the Naldo Formula One podcast. And this will be the 2022 Hungarian Grand Prix race review. Man, what a race. What an exciting end to the, not technically the first half of the season, but basically we're going into the summer break now after this race. And what a start to be able to have this much excitement in the beginning of the season. We're 13 races in now. And I will say this much, man. I can't. I hate to say it, but I really do think that the championship race is, is essentially over. It's all but done. I think Max has one hand on the championship trophy for the World Drivers Championship, at least now. It seems like Red Bull probably have the constructors under control as well, but um, that's still yet to be seen. A lot can happen with uh, nine remaining races left. So, yeah, man, let's just go ahead and get right into the actual race rundown and start getting into this race review because there's a lot to talk about. There's a lot of talking points throughout this race. Um, so just to give a quick rundown, so your winner was Max Verstappen. Uh, Lewis Hamilton finished p2 george russell then third so that another double podium for mercedes the second weekend in a row for them so great start to the weekend or not to start to the weekend great finish to the weekend for mercedes and then we have carlos signs in p4 sergio perez p5 charles leclerc in p6 lando norris in p7 Fernando Alonso, P8, Esteban Ocon, P9, Sebastian Vettel, P10, Lance Stroll, P11, Pierre Gasly, P12, Joe Guan Yu, 13, Mick Schumacher, 14, Daniel Ricciardo, 15, Kevin Magnussen, 16, Alex Albon, 17, Nicholas Latifi, 18, Yuki Sonoda, 19, and our only non-finisher of the day was Valtteri Bottas in P20 in the Alfa Romeo. So a pretty clean race overall. A um, little bit of contact and stuff at the beginning, um, but Hungary is usually a pretty clean race. There's a lot of runoff areas. Um, it's a very technical track, so it's a really challenging to the drivers, especially that, that middle sector there's a lot of long corners, medium speed to low speed. Pretty tough to overtake with only being basically one straight, two DRS zones, but one long straight on the pit straight. And then um, the next following straight after turn two going into turn three. But not a super hard braking zone into turn three, so it can be tricky to overtake out there. But I got the race kind of going as um, as I'm listening or as I'm recording this this podcast, so I can kind of remember all the little small storylines and like nuances that happened throughout the race. But what a win from Max, man! It was kind of a disaster qualifying for uh, for Red Bull with Sergio starting P11 and Max starting P10. So it seemed, I think Max had a power unit issue on his final lap of Q3. It seemed like he had had qualifying basically under control up to that point. I probably think he would have gotten pole if it wasn't for this issue, but he had an issue in 
the last on his last lap of qualifying that basically forced him to not be able to put in the competitive lap time. So he was the slowest in the Q3 session, which means he had to start from P10. And then Sergio Perez just had kind of a nightmare qualifying. Still seems like he's a lot far off the pace of his teammate and it seems like as the season goes on and max gets more comfortable with the car and as red bull bring upgrades and stuff like that it seems like the car is definitely suiting max a little bit more um again there's no way to really be able to tell that for sure but that's just what it seems like as of right now um another very very strong race for the mercedes team with them getting another double podium Lewis's pace was fantastic in his second and third stints, and I believe with a better qualifying, he could have been in race contention because he finished within eight seconds of max and was closing very quickly towards the end of the race, but I think he just ran out of time. I believe if the, the rain probably would have fell a little bit harder at the end of the race and uh, people would have had to go on to enter. It's kind of like Russia of last year. I believe Lewis probably could have – Maybe snatch the win, but knowing that the level uh, what Max is driving at right now, I don't know if that would have been possible, especially with the performance advantage that the Red Bull has. So that's kind of it for that. George Russell, with his maiden pole position in qualifying yesterday, he put in a stunning lap in Q3 to snatch pole away from the Ferraris. And cheers, hats off to George, man, because that was a – top tier performance right there and he did pretty well to hold on to the lead of the race for basically the entire first stand but I mean I think a lot of us were pretty confident that either the Red Bulls or um, the Ferraris would just have the out and out pace to be able to take advantage of that even though we'll get into my race predictions a little bit later it wasn't the strongest weekend for me again but in my defense it was kind of a last minute predictions list that I kind of just threw together because I actually forgot to do my predictions before qualifying normally I do them before like after usually after practice two and then before qualifying because a lot of my predictions have something to do with qualifying so in my defense I kind of woke up at like seven o'clock this morning and realized that I didn't do predictions and so I kind of threw a list of predictions together with less than an hour to go before the race while I'm still kind of half asleep so that's going to be my excuse for uh, my predictions this weekend but it is what it is oh I think I'll give it a minute before I start getting into Ferrari and their woes just continuing and continuing and continuing but I really don't want to go in on them too much right now at this very moment, but, oh, trust and believe we will get to them because I feel like that will probably take the majority of this podcast time because it's basically the biggest talking point of of today was Ferrari and, once again, their operational strategy woes. I just I don't get it, but let me stop before I get too far into that. Um, let's see who else. Lando Norris, shout out to him, finishing in the points again. I thought he would have performed a little bit better based on his qualifying pace, but we all know that their race pace is a little bit different. Um, Alpine's double points finish again. Uh, Sebastian Vettel, he's going to be another talking point of this podcast. You know what? We can get into that right now. Um, he getting point, Him getting points today was big. Um, he actually renounced his annou- – I said renounced – announced his retirement a couple of days ago. So I think I speak for the entire F1 community when I say that we're all sad to see Seb go 
and it's unfortunate, but I think we all kind of understand he's a family man. Seb is a, a wonderful personality, one of the, the shining stars of the grid. I think everybody loves Seb, at least right now. Uh, I know he was a little bit more hated, and there was a little bit more animosity towards Seb back in his um, in his Red Bull days when he was a uh, four-time back-to-back-to-back to back world champion and but now it seems like Seb is just one of the most beloved characters on the entire grid so we are very very sad to see Seb go and uh, me personally just want to say thank you to Seb for amazing years in F1 and all that he's done for the sport and all that he will probably continue to do for the sport because he's been very active on um, a lot of the changes that needed to be made in uh, the sport in general and I believe he'll probably take a more active role in playing the development of Formula One and the the furtherance of Formula One as a sport. So shout out to Seb, man. And we still got nine races to enjoy the genius that is Seb Vettel. So I hope he gets to score a lot more points in these final nine races. I am super sad that we are basically going to be without Formula One for almost a month Today is the 31st of July, and we will not see any racing until, I believe, the 28th of of August. So, And that's not even racing. I think that's practice session. So it's going to be, I think, exactly a month until we get another, another race, and that will be in Belgium, Spa. Oh, man, we love Spa. Everybody loves Spa. And I pray, I'm, like, praying basically every day that, that um spa doesn't get taken off the calendar i know i didn't get to talk about this much last week it honestly just slipped my mind but uh, i think it's all but confirmed that france will not be on the grid anymore like on the calendar anymore it's going to get taken off and replaced potentially for uh kyle Lamy in south africa now that's pretty exciting i think that Formula One would do very well to and you can truly call yourselves world champions when you touched every continent on the grid or on the world so it'll be nice to see another race uh back in south africa i don't think we've had a race in south africa since like the late 80s 90s i can't i don't remember off the top of my head i obviously wasn't watching formula one during that time period i wasn't born until 95 and i didn't get into formula one until relatively recently so but all the all the more i'm pretty excited about Kailami circuit it seems like just based off the layout that uh that is going to be a really exciting grand prix um technical track some long straights seems like some hard breaking zones good places to overtake some very very interesting uh corner names too i mean we got corners like barbecue and Mineshaft and the crocodiles and cheetah i'm assuming it's cheetah because it's a fast right-hander it looks like um crowthorn the kink like these shout out to these uh these corner nicknames man this is pretty awesome so i can't wait for that to potentially come back to the grid but i do not want spa to leave and i think i speak for the entire f1 community again in saying that Spa deserves a permanent place on the F1 calendar. Um, yeah, Spa can't go. It's arguably the best track on the calendar. 
So we would be very sad to see Spa go. And I will sign any petition or whatever it takes to keep Spa on the grid. <clears throat> but back to this race in Hungary. So shout out to Seb Vettel scoring points. Lance Stroll, him and Lance had a pretty decent battle for that last points paying position. Um, we didn't really get to see too much of everybody else. It seemed like Ricardo had potential to really have a good race this weekend. It seemed like um, McLaren had really improved on their race pace and their overall pace in the car, but they just couldn't put it together over the race weekend. It was a tricky race on tires. There was kind of at the beginning, we weren't sure if it was going to be a one-stop race or a two-stop. It pretty much ended up becoming a two-stop for everybody, but the tire that you started on was actually ended up being pretty important. It seemed like Outside of Lewis, it seemed like the guys that started on soft tires had much more of an advantage, and you don't really, you haven't really seen too much of that this year. It's pretty much been traditionally either a two-stop, like medium, medium, hard, or medium, hard, hard, um, or like a one-stop just straight from mediums to hards. So very interesting race with the tires. I'm glad to see a potential like two-stop race. That, may, that usually always makes things pretty interesting when you have to throw that extra pit stop in there. But um seems like the guys who started all in mediums, which were both of the Ferraris, um, I believe Perez started on mediums as well. And then um, I know I'm pretty sure that the McLaren started on mediums as well. George started on softs. Lewis started on mediums. But Lewis seemed like he had the tire management and the pace to make that uh, two-stop work. He went medium, medium, soft. So did Signs, But I don't really know what happened to Ferrari. It just it seemed like they had the pace this weekend. But they just couldn't put it together when it mattered the most. And that's when you're scoring points. But... Yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm watching it right now. Lando started on softs. So the softs they weren't so great in the first stint. Um I mean they worked for George because he was able to defend from signs into the first corner and that was a crucial move for him. I guess it he was able to keep them at bay. I wasn't sure if that was really just the Ferraris kind of managing their tires or if that was more so the uh, the pace of George on the softs and that tire advantage being on the softer compound. But overall, George had a really good first stint. Um, Lewis got, got stuck behind Lando at the beginning of the his first stint. But once he, once he kind of got it started getting pressurized by Max because Max started clearing the field pretty quickly from P10, made his way up to P6, and got and got on the back of Lewis. And it's kind of one of those old situations where it's like you're kind of forced to make a move because if you don't make the move on the person ahead of you, the person behind you is going to make the move on you. And Max was pretty much able to follow Lewis through, get past Lando at the beginning of the stint. And continue to cut his way through the field. So I think I'll get into an overall race review. Um, this race is pretty tricky because to like grade, I guess, because it was exciting at times. And then there was a few stints of just real boringness. And I mean, you can run into that with a track like Hungary where there's not 
a whole lot of opportunities to pass unless you basically just have a humongous pace advantage over the person that you're chasing down. But what was cool to see was it really does seem like the regulations are working in the fact that these cars are really able to follow so closely for so long now. Like I think Max Lewis and Lando were all within a second of each other for about like three or four laps and you just never see stuff like that with like the last generation of cars so that's pretty cool to see but it's still a tricky track to overtake i mean we all know the the old saying that it's one thing to close up to a car and catch a car it's a whole nother thing to make the overtake stick so yeah we saw a lot of that um overall i'd have to give um the hungarian grand prix a w for this weekend just because it produced a lot of excitement and a lot of storylines. If I had to put it on a scale of one to 10, I think I would give it like a, like a six and a half or a seven. It was an entertaining race. It wasn't a bad race. It was a little bit above average, but not fantastic. So just an overall decent race, but I mean, they all can't be bangers, right? So can't complain too much i guess um let's get into my race predictions from this weekend just so we can kind of get that out of the way and i can just let you guys know how wrong i was exactly so let me pull up my twitter really quick and we can go get through this all right so my first prediction was norris on the podium and that obviously did not age well Norris ended up finishing P7 in the points, but nowhere near a podium finish. I thought that his uh, quality pace, which put him in P4, would translate a little bit better to the actual race. And I thought that we might see a little more controversy at the front as far as like fighting between the Ferraris and the Mercedes and then uh, Verstappen and Perez mixing things up as they tried to cut through the field. And I don't know, maybe a, not a couple non-finishers or some crashes or something like that, but that wasn't the case, obviously, and it would have taken a miracle. Sorry, I'm extremely tired this morning. I didn't – I stayed up pretty late last night. Not too late, but I stayed up pretty late last night, more so than my usual, and then woke up kind of early here in the u.s for to watch the race so a little tired right now but i'll get to catch up on some z's later on this afternoon probably take a quick power nap or something like that but um that was my first prediction which obviously was an l in the books for me i said i went out on a limb and said russell would win from pole i just thought that mercedes would have some some decent pace and, I mean, we see from Lewis that it, the car had decent pace, but I think that Russell, between the strategy and um, just Lewis honestly just being quicker around Hungary than than um, George was, that just kind of made the difference in, in everything. So I think that there was potential race-winning pace in that car, but uh, George did not have it this weekend but he did have it to put it on pole so that counts for something for sure i said it at least one safety car so i think i should get half points for this because or like half a w for this so i guess a v technically or a u depending on how you write your w's but 
we did have two virtual safety cars. So you guys let me know if that technically counts. I think it counts because I never specified whether it would be a full safety car or a um, or a virtual. Um, the first virtual came out, I think, on lap one from contact with uh, Vettel and Albon, I believe. Albon ended up breaking his uh, front wing through that contact, and there was debris left on the track, so they pulled out the virtual safety car so that the marshals could come in and sweep up all that debris just because it's dangerous. You don't want uh, these cars going at speeds, running over carbon fiber bits, potentially causing punctures or sending carbon fiber bits flying into the crowd and that kind of stuff. It's just dangerous. And then the second uh, – Virtual safety car was for Valtteri Bottas' retirement on lap 65. He kind of just parked it up. And the car, he didn't really have a chance to get it too close to the runoff area. So he kind of, the car just kind of crapped out on him. Which he's had some really bad luck this season. Um, he was running in the points, I believe, for most of his race. He was having a pretty quiet race, but he was up in like P8 or P7 at one point, kind of chilling in the points. And unfortunately, with that DNF, just kind of ruined his race. And then another prediction for me was I said Hamilton would finish ahead of Max. That didn't end up working out. I thought, uh, again, some of the chaos would allow Lewis to get towards the front of the field pretty quickly. Obviously, I think if he would have qualified better, if he could have put it like on the second row in like P3 or P4, that he would have been able to challenge for the win and finish ahead of Max. But Max is just on another level right now. Him and that Red Bull are working an absolute treat, and they're just in sync and basically an unstoppable machine right now. So got to tip your hats to them. And then my last prediction was that one of the Alpines would not score points after qualifying fifth and sixth, and that was wrong because they finished eighth and ninth. So... I just figured that either through DNF mechanically or just out and out pace, I thought that uh, Ricardo and that McLaren may be able to make something shake, but obviously that didn't work out in my favor. We all know that that was wrong, so I went, what, one for four again today, technically, if you want to count my safety car prediction as a win. So one for four. Tough race weekend, two tough race weekends in a row for me, but it is what it is. We'll bounce back after the summer break. I'll be able to get my mojo back a little bit. All right, so, man, let's get into the discussion of the hour, the discussion of the Sunday, and basically what will be the discussion of the next month probably because there's really nothing else to talk about in Formula 1 outside of – like Ferrari and their their woes. So yeah, man, I I I just do not get it. I don't get it. It I'm so glad that I'm not a Ferrari fan or part of the Tifosi or just involved in Ferrari as a whole because it just it's 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 so tough to to even watch and like I'm almost at a loss for words as to like what I witnessed today and over the past couple of races, like Ferrari are literally just imploding and just destroying their entire season. And I do not understand how they are able to do this 
week in and week out with the type of resources and money that they have available to them. I do not understand how they're able to just constantly destroy their 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 races and their championship hopes. And as you I mean, as you guys have seen from the title of this podcast that I fully like fully, fully believe that the championship is over. Like Max has one hand on the championship trophy, and I don't think there's going to be anybody that's going to be able to stop him, especially not for Ferrari. And obviously, it's a little, I think it's too little too late for the Mercedes, even if they came out of the summer break just absolutely dominating like we've seen them be able to do. It still wouldn't be enough. He has too much of an advantage, and he's too quick, and that Red Bull are just, they just put together too good of a package this season. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm championship over in my eyes. They just they bottled it. So let's get into kind of how they bottled it, so I can kind of give a good explanation of that. But so Perez started higher than his championship contending quote quote air quotes contending teammate in Charles Leclerc. They both started on mediums. And what we saw was that a lot of the guys who started on mediums ended up pretty pitting pretty early outside of Lewis. I think Lewis kind of stretched those medium tires, which ended up working to his advantage at the end of the race. <clears throat> but the Ferraris ended up pitting pretty early. Like, Sainz pit on lap 18. It's on my screen right now. And I believe Leclerc pit, like, two or three laps later when the mediums were predicted to go, like, into the late 20s, into the early 30s, like, laps in the race. I guess that's if you were going for the two, the one-stop on the hards, but we saw that the hards were not working at all. I think Haas were the first to pit. Well, they had to pit Magnussen with damage on his front wing, so he pit onto the hards pretty early on, and that just was not working for him at all. And then I believe the McLaren – or, no, the Alpines – and the McLarens both went on to hards at some point, and it wasn't working for really either of them. I mean, the Alpines were able to hold on to the point, so I guess it technically did work, but they didn't have the same pace as the guys who were on the mediums or on the soft. So I just I don't understand. So they brought both of their drivers in relatively early off the first medium stint. And then um, on their second stint, they pit again – onto mediums which basically would have either forced them to go long and try to put on the softs or to cut it short and put on the hards but i mean ferrari were one of the last teams to put on the hards so they had the data to show that the hards just were not working around this track i believe there was there the track was too cold i think it was about 70 degrees in budapest today and it was overcast. There was threats of rain, so the track was just too cold. It could you couldn't heat up the hard tires, and they just weren't grabbing the surface of the track enough to warrant putting them on. They were just too slow, and so instead of either putting on the softs in the middle stint or stretching that middle medium stint to put on the softs at the end, like how Hamilton did, they decided to put. Leclerc on to mediums again and then they cut his stint short again 
and they put him on the hards, knowing that the hards were not working. And as a Hamilton fan, I was just praying. I was like, please do not put on the hards. Like, please, for the love of God, do not put on the hards. Like, we just seen firsthand that they are not working around this track. And luckily for Mercedes, and uh, shout out to Lewis on his tire management, he was able to stretch that medium stint from lap 20. So I guess Lewis pit relatively early, but they were able to stretch that medium stint um, to where Lewis only had to do, I think, like 20 or 21 laps on uh, the soft tires at the end of the race where the car is a lot lighter because there's not as much fuel on board. And so it's going to be a little bit kinder on his tires so you can make him stretch a little bit longer. Uh, but – yeah, I mean, Ferrari putting Leclerc on hards when they'd seen firsthand that the hards were not working, it just – it didn't make any sense. And, like, I do not understand how a team like them are just – seem completely disconnected from, like, strategy. I know me being a Lewis fan, I've complained about some of Mercedes' strategy calls at times, but – I've I definitely take for granted sometimes the level of professionalism and like on pointness that I know I just made that word up, but on pointness that Mercedes show and even Red Bull show this as well. Like Red Bull rarely ever make like strategy mistakes. Like it seems like usually for the most part, I think the last strategy mistake that Red Bull made was Spain of last year going on to the one stop and uh Mercedes pulling the two stop with Lewis. I think that was that's the last like really bad strategy call that I can remember Red Bull making. And I mean that was over a year ago last season. So I mean these guys just don't make mistakes. And so if you're Ferrari, you can't be this humongous outfit and have this kind of pace in this car and not be able to put the strategy together. I mean, it it just it's so frustrating and I almost don't even know what to say because it's almost unbelievable what I'm witnessing. It seems like as the lights get brighter for Ferrari and like the stage gets bigger when they start competing for race wins and championships, they the team shrinks and they they fold and buckle under the pressure and it's it's one of the most insane things I've ever witnessed how a team this big can just like implode and just absolutely shit the bed. Like I don't cuss too much on this, this podcast, but like they're literally just shitting the bed. And so now Leclerc is 80 points behind in the championship with nine races to go. So he's a whole over three races worth of points race wins worth of points behind in the championship with Max performing the way that he is. So I just don't believe that it's possible for, for Leclerc to overcome this. And now a lot of, he's made a lot of mistakes this season. I can't even say a lot. He's made two major mistakes this season. The first one being um, in Imola when he was pushing too hard and ended up sacrificing a P3 for P6 and then obviously crashing out in France last week was probably his biggest mistake of the season. I think based on the radio call that we heard from him afterwards when, I mean, 
we saw his reaction. I think even he knew at that point. I think that was his 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 opportunity gone, and this was just kind of the nail in the proverbial coffin where there's just no coming back from this now. An eighty point gap with only nine races to go is a humongous gap. It would take a complete meltdown of like epic proportions for Red Bull and Max for them to not win this championship. I think they got the constructors all sewed up, but the drivers, yeah, I don't think they they're withholding that either. Like I don't think they'll let that one go either. And honestly, the the woes get worse for Ferrari because not only are they probably have they probably lost the the um driver standing the drivers uh championship but they're probably they might lose p2 in the constructors championship too to to mercedes because i mean we know mercedes they don't have the out and out pace right now and i believe we'll they'll get there before the end of the season like i definitely think that race win is on the cards very very soon but it's still yet to be seen but they're just so consistent, and they're always there to maximize the points whenever they're available. They're always going to – like it seems like every race this year, outside of maybe Jetta, they've been able to ma- – and like Monaco, they've been able to maximize the points every single race weekend, and they're there to take advantage of every time Ferrari or uh, Red Bull make a mistake. And, I mean, look at it. They're the, this is their second double podium in a row for a team – where best case scenario of all things considered should be finishing fifth and sixth every weekend. But somehow they're finding themselves finishing second, third, and third and fourth every single weekend. And so now looking at the standings, Mercedes is only 30 points behind Ferrari in the Constructors' Championship. And Ferrari is, what, 97 points behind Red Bull? in the constructors so yeah i just this has been an absolute like terrifying and like just horrifying season for ferrari fans especially with just the pace that the car has because the car is a good car but it seems like i mean other than the power unit it seems like everything outside of the car is what's causing the issues and i just I don't understand how they haven't been able to get a handle on this yet. And so, yeah, man, I just – I I feel for the Tifosi fans. You guys deserve better, and Ferrari need to do better. This is something that's bigger than just, like, Mattia Bonotto. I know we've – I've personally criticized Mattia a lot, and I know the F1 community criticized Mattia a lot, but this is bigger than just Mattia, man. This is, like – this is – this is something fundamentally wrong with the team and the brand, and I think they need to really look inside themselves and bring in some new, fresh faces that are really committed to making this team the championship outfit that it should be. So, yeah, man, that's pretty much – that's all I'm going to say about Ferrari. I know I was on a pretty long rant uh, with them, but it was well-deserved, man. It was well-deserved for them. They they need to hear these type of things. Obviously, they're not listening to my podcast, but, I mean, the rumblings from the F1 community as a whole is what I mean. They need to hear this from the community and from their own fans that this is not good enough and we're not going to continue to accept this just because you guys are Ferrari.
So, yeah, that's it, man. Um, we can get into my driver grades for the um, the race today, and then um, we'll do my team grades, and then we'll look into the summer break, and I'll kind of give you guys a heads up of what I got planned for the summer break and keeping you guys up to speed with everything that's going on. And then I will get out of here. I got some stuff to do this Sunday. So, yeah, get right into that. So, P1, Max Verstappen, W+. Plus, man, they, I mean, didn't put a foot wrong going P10 to, to win the race. And taking full advantage of the Ferrari blunders. Um, can't really say too much negative about that. Um, yeah. So, W+. Plus, for for Max Verstappen, the championship leader. Lewis Hamilton, W-plus as well. Uh, really good performance from him. Showed great pace. He's really wringing the neck out of that Mercedes and, like, getting all the pace there is to be had out of that uh, Mercedes-Benz. So, W-plus for Lewis. George Russell, overall, still got a W, finishing on the podium ahead of both of the Ferraris. Even though he started from Paul, I just I think he put it in a place where it didn't belong at that time. But overall, good performance. Carlos signs the Ferraris are really hard to grade because I mean it it was a lot of it was out of their control. Carlos signs I'm gonna have to give an L to because he actually was on a better strategy with the medium medium soft uh, strategy, but he just didn't have the pace and even on similar tires, Lewis was like a second a lap faster than signs in the last stint, which doesn't make any sense when you have arguably the best car on the grid between them and the Red Bull. So got to give an L to Carlos Sergio Perez. I kind of got to give him an L too. It's a very borderline L. He's kind of like damn near neutral, but I would expect Sergio to have been able to have more pace, and he should be beating the Mercedes. I just don't. Whenever you're not beating the Mercedes, and there's not a fundamental like car issue or team strategy issue, you're not gonna get a W from me. So I know that's kind of harsh because he recovered from P11 to P5, but I think he has to beat the Mercedes. So that's the that's the target, and I think he should have beat Sainz too. But that that's a different story for a different day. Charles, I really don't know, man. I gotta uh, I gotta give Charles an L too. Uh, a lot of it was out of his control with the bad strategy call. But I mean, he really even when he got on the softs at the end of the race, he still didn't have the pace. So I gotta give him an L too. Uh, Lando Norris gets a W. I know he fell back, but um, I believe the qualifying pace put that McLaren where it wasn't supposed to be anyway. So. Yeah, Fernando and Esteban, they both get a W. They almost lost out fighting at uh, after the first round of pit stops. And speaking of, um, Daniel Ricciardo made a fantastic double overtake on those two. But overall, they still get a W, double points finish for Alpine. Sebastian Vettel gets a W scoring points in Aston Martin. It seemed like they brought new upgrades again this weekend. I think they got a new rear wing, uh, which seems to be helping them out a lot with their pace. So they're kind of consistently fighting for points over the last couple of races. So, yeah, W for them. 
W for Stroll, too, um, even though he didn't score points, still had some decent pays and was right there with his teammate. Pierre Gasly gets an L. I just I don't know what happened to Alpha Towery. They're just in absolute no man's land right now. Uh Zhou Guan Yu gets an L. Mick Schumacher gets an L. None of these guys really saw too much of them uh throughout the race. I believe Mick Schumacher had a spin at one point. So L for him. And then um Let's see who else. Daniel Ricardo gets an L. He was running the points for a while. I don't know what happened to Daniel. But, yeah, he was running the points for a little while. Ended up finishing P15. So, yeah, L for him. I think he ended up on those hard tires, too, and that just wasn't working. <clears throat> Kevin Magnuson, L. Broke his front wing at the beginning. Didn't have any pace whatsoever in the race. The hard tires weren't working. Alex Albon and Nicholas Latifi, Nicholas Latifi, Goat Tifi, Mr. FP3, was top of the session in the rain in FP3s. That was probably the highlight of his weekend. But L, nonetheless, Yuki Sonoda L, had a spin, finished two laps down. And then Valtteri Bottas, I give him a W just because of where he was at the time of the DNF. But, I mean, the L was more so on uh, Alfa Romeo who, again, have just been completely falling off um, since the the start of the season where they finished really strong. So, yep, that's it. Let's get into the team grades, and then I'll go through the full standings, right, and then I'll get out of here, uh, get out of you guys' hair. So Red Bull gets a W, great recovery for them, good strategy calls, like a machine, nothing, can't fault it. Ferrari super L, L minus, like crazy L, biggest L's in the chat for, for Ferrari, terrible race, but I mean, y'all heard my rant, so you know why I feel that way, Mercedes W plus, again, maximizing the points when the opportunity presents itself, Alpine uh, W, uh, still maintain their lead in P4 for the best of the rest uh Best of the rest um, in the constructor standings. There are four points ahead of uh, McLaren, who are in P5. Um, McLaren, uh, they get a borderline L, like a very, very borderline L because um, of the strategy call of putting their guys on the hards and just the pace and that kind of thing. I think they probably should have scored double points today. Especially if their target is to beat Alpine for P4 and the Constructors. Alfa Romeo, L for this weekend. Haas, L. Everybody else except for Aston Martin basically gets an L. So Alfa Romeo, Haas, Alfa Tauri, and Williams all get Ls this weekend. Aston Martin gets a W for scoring points and have being one, one position outside of the points with both of their drivers. And then here are the updated standings. So Red Bull Racing is still leading the Constructors' Championship on 431 points. Ferrari are in P2, barely hanging on with 334 points. Mercedes is gaining traction in P3 on 304 points. Again, Alpine in P4 with 99. 
McLaren in P5 with 95, Alfa Romeo in P6 with 51, Haas in P7 with 34, Alpha Tower in P8 with 27, Aston Martin in P9 with 20, and Williams in P10 with three points. All right, let's get to the driver standings. Max Verstappen is still your championship leader on 258 points. Charles Leclerc is in P2 with 178. Sergio Perez is only five points behind Charles in P3 on 173 points. George Russell overtakes Carlos Sainz for P4 in the driver standings on 158 points. He's two points ahead of Carlos, who's in P5 on 156. Lewis is still closing up. The gap to George in P6 with on 146 points, and now he's 12 points behind. He did get an extra point this weekend for the fastest lap. Let's see. Lando Norris is holding on to P7 on 76 points. Esteban Ocon is in P8 with 58 points. Valtteri Botas in P9 with 46. That's crazy that he's still in P9 with all the bad luck that he's had. Um over the past couple of races, but Fernando Alonso in P10 with 41 points, Kevin Magnussen in P11 with 22, Daniel Ricciardo in P12 with 19, um, Pierre Gasly in P13 with 16 points. He's tied with Sebastian Vettel, who's in P14 with 16 points as well, Mick Schumacher in P15 with 12 points, Sonoda in P16 with 11. Zhou Guanyu in 17th with 5 points. Lance Stroll in 18th with 4 points. Alex Albon in P19 with 3 points. And Nicholas Latifi in P20 with 0 points. So, one, oh, one more thing that I want to touch on before we go is uh, we might see some shuffling of the grid, uh, man. For um, with the Sebastian Vettel retirement, I know that there have been some names linked to the uh, to the Aston Martin team now that they have a vacant seat and who will take that second seat alongside uh, Golden Child Lance Stroll. But right now, I'm hearing that uh, it seems like Mick Schumacher is actually the the number one guy that may t- potentially may take that seat. I think today it was announced that he did not renew his contract with like the Ferrari driver Academy. So maybe he's trying to break that link between him and the Ferrari driver Academy and kind of venture out and move on and do his own thing. So if he moves, that will also open up a seat at Haas, which could potentially go to, I'm hearing either Antonio Giovinazzi or Robert Schwartzman. So there's some, and then a Williams seat may open for uh, Oscar Piastri. I know that Alpine announced, I think this week, that they were willing to basically loan him to another team while they figure out what they're going to do with their driver lineup because it's basically, they're kind of waiting on Fernando to leave. I know they're not, actively pushing him out the door because of just the talent that Fernando has. But it seems like um, they're kind of trying to buy their time until they can figure out how to get Piastri in that Alpine seat. But I think he may take that second Williams seat alongside Albano. 
So, yeah, we could see some shaking up of the grid uh, going into next year if um, with that uh, second uh, Aston Martin seat open up. I know uh, Daniel Ricciardo is linked to it a little bit, but I think he's committed to McLaren. I think he'll probably look to stay at McLaren at least for one more year, and I think that's what he should do. I don't think that he should continue bouncing from team to team because he kind of seems like the type of guy that takes some time to really get adjusted to the car and get comfortable. So he needs to rebuild that confidence in the team. The team need to rebuild that confidence in him. So I think that he needs to stay put for now. Looking forward, um, we got a month off, so I'm trying to think of some creative ways to stay engaged and stay um, into the public, basically, and stay active on my platforms. But I'll probably have a couple of uh, podcasts, maybe like one or two episodes on this summer break where I can talk about some other stuff outside of like the current F1 season, Um, keep continuing to make like my TikToks and being active on Twitter and stuff like that. So make sure you guys follow me at all of my social media platforms. It's at Naldo Formula One on Instagram, Twitter and TikTok as well. And make sure you leave a rating for uh, the podcast or any kind of engagement wherever you're listening to. It's available on Apple, Spotify, basically wherever you're listening to podcasts. And until next time, I will see you guys later. Happy Sunday. Peace.